Hi, I'm Monty Beatham, and tonight on Once a Warrior, we have 150-game legend Michael Luck, who's affectionately known as Lucky. Lucky, uh, thank you for your time. 7.30 a.m. there in Townsville. You've got a busy day ahead of you, man, so it's much appreciated. Uh, pleasure to be here, Monty. Great to see you. Brother, you had an amazing career in your boots, especially down here at the Warriors. Now you're having somewhat of a, a great career already climbing to real heights as a general manager of football uh, at the Cowboys. What is the end game for, for Lucky? Huh. Uh, good question. Um, no, you know, Monta, I've always, you know, it was never really a, you know, a, a real choice to, to stay involved in footy. Um, you know, I was at uni the whole time I was in Auckland and had a, had a good time at AUT. Um, in the city in there and uh, just the opportunity arose to, to go back to Townsville and, uh, and become involved back at the Cowboys and yeah sort of now almost 10 years um, back back here now and um, I've been in a few various roles mostly in the front office but uh, yeah, 18 months ago um, there was a bit of a restructure and um, I was asked did I want to go and have a crack at uh, I guess you know, being part of the rebuild of our, of our football program. So, yeah, just it's it's been a, a been, been a ride. So, um, enjoyed it and um, yeah, enjoying being part of of what you know Toddy Payton and his coaching staff are, are trying to rebuild here at the moment. Close loss on the weekend. Uh, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a, a tough loss for our boys. Um, you know, I thought that ten minutes before half time um, we were up eighteen six and. Uh, you know, I've got to say, without being too too critical of the Warriors, I thought our guys were, were rolling through them pretty easy. And then um, we gave up a really soft try. Josh Curran scored a good try just before half-time. And then straight after half-time, uh, Cody Nicarima went and scored. And, um, I guess that, that sort of put a pin in our balloon and deflated our guys a little bit. And, uh, and that, that gave the Warriors plenty of bounce. So um, I guess it's a, it's a sort of a... A reflection of where both squads are at. I think both of us are, are you know, more or less around the same level um, in the competition this year. And um, I think both teams, when things are, are going well and you got momentum, um, both teams are, are really hard to stop. But um, that's the growth in, in both the Warriors and the Cowboys is that when when you face with a bit of adversity, um, how you how you stop that and how you uh, arrest it and, and turn it around. So. Um, yeah, our guys, as long as they take the lessons out of that, uh, out of getting beaten in Golden Point, I, I think it, it could be a valuable one later in the year. Uh, but a great win for the Warriors, and, you know, and that's why um, so great to have a player like Shawnee back um, playing there now that he's a guy that can pull the trigger when when it matters. And uh, you had a couple of shots at field goal and, and got that last one, so mm. good on them. The Warriors have won three games back to back to back, and the team to face the Roosters this Sunday it looks like this. When you look at this Warriors uh, current uh, squad of players, uh, what what are you liking about the squad? There's a lot to like about the squad, Mons. I think a really good core group of older guys, and uh, yeah, Sean's at the heart of that at the moment. Um, he's probably got a couple of years left in him. Um, you know, I like the the core group of forwards that, that are there, and um, Adam Fanua Blake is one of the best front rowers in the comp. And um, but mate, there's also some wonderful young talent there. I, I love uh, Chanel Harris Devito. I think he's such a, a competitive young bloke um, that um, you know I don't know if he's had the right development pathway through no fault of his own. I just think he, you know he's had a lot of halves partners and he's been up and down. And, um, I think he's, he's a, a great young talent that um, now with Shawnee there and hopefully a bit of stability, uh, he can he can go and be a you know a ten year player for the Warriors and, and you know there's still some things he, he's got to work on but um, you know what I like about him as 
for a half. He's not a he's not a spot in the line. Like he'll hold his gloves up defensively. Um, he'll put his body in front. Um, you know, he, he's and he's also not afraid to grab the game by the scruff of the neck if it's his turn to do it. And I think you know that probably if you look at turning points from the, the game last week, he kicked that forty twenty. Yeah. The Warriors scored a try after. And that's that's what you like to see in young players that they they step up and they produce big plays when the opportunity's there. Yeah, he's a I've met him a couple of times. Really polite young bloke, and um, yeah, I, I think he's a. a, a you know, without knowing him too well and uh, and everything that he does in and around the group, um, I think he's a, a great guy that you know, potentially could be a, a really good long-term prospect for the Warriors. OK, just imagine if you were general manager of football at the Warriors, what do you think we need now to go to the next level? The, the real challenge for the Warriors has just been the last couple of years, again, about um, how young players are developed and um, you know the continuity between... Uh, local player in New Zealand or Auckland, or, you know, Wellington, wherever it might be, um, and then graduating up into the into the Warriors squad. So, I I think the the challenge for the Warriors is going to be over the next couple of years, where there's there's more or less been a pause in, in development for the last two or three seasons, and um, they're going to have to do a really good job of making sure they bridge that gap between elite young talent and NRL player over the next few years, and um, make sure that the good young guys you've got coming through, you've got guys older and experienced that are there to hold their hand and um, sometimes potentially if you haven't got those guys in your system you've got to go and buy them and you've got to pay a little bit more for um, but it certainly looks like the you know the cornerstones are there at the moment with with guys like um, Adam Fenua Blake and you know Toe Harris who didn't play on the weekend still to come back who's a, a wonderful player um, that's the challenge making sure that you, you give these good young guys development but um, you're not throwing them to the wolves either you've got to have some some older experienced blokes around them that, that can show them the way. But for you, how crucial is local talent for a club? And do you have any thoughts or policies on, you know, trying to bring that through in terms of, and what terms of percentage do you want in your team? Uh, I don't think there's any terms of percentage that you can, you can, um, you know, put a figure to once. I think what local talent does is it, uh, the, the guys that you bring through your own system and that are from your own community, they understand what they're playing for, who they're playing for, who they represent, and they they understand quicker than imports, um, you know, the, the ethos of what you're trying to build. And I guess, you know, for us in, in North Queensland, it's about being humble and hardworking and, um, you know, not, not so much playing with a chip on your shoulder, but these guys up here that play as juniors from, from up north um, go down, you play against the Brisbane teams and Gold Coast teams throughout their junior career and, Oftentimes they're outnumbered and outgunned, and um, they they come off second best in those junior carnivals. And so it's about understanding the driver to, to be better um, and, and to succeed. So um, you know, local guys uh, can do it. I, I guess first and foremost, the one of the main reasons you develop is because you can get those guys, and they uh, they're cheaper at the bottom at the at the start of their careers um, as opposed to bringing someone in. Um, but then. Once they establish themselves in first grade and earn the right to, to be a, a guy that commands marquee money, then they're someone that you can build your, your whole club around that um, you know goes out into the community and they're, they're well recognised everywhere they go and they have an affinity with the people that they represent. Now, you know Sean Johnson in his debut year, which was a big part of the 2011 uh, grand yeah. final run with you, but you also know him now and I see the way he talks about the club, I see the love in his eyes and the return, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, the SJ that you see uh, now and why is he so important for this club? I had a good chat to him on Friday night after the game 
And I, he, he just seems to me now like a guy that has some perspective on life and what's important to him and, and what's driving him to succeed. Um, and, you know, for Shawnee, it's not about money or it's not about um, getting his head on TV or on the back page of the paper anymore. So I think he wants to make uh, his family proud. He, he's now got, you know, um, partner and, and children and um, I think he understands now that his legacy will be how he sets this club up for, for future success so um, as I said I, I think he understands that um, he's, he's invested into, into the Warriors being successful so really excited to see what, what he can do there and um, you know, the guys that he can help develop over the next few years Going back to the time when you wore the colours mate, let's have a look at this Here comes Luck Straight through them, pouring down the field. Gets dumped on his back. Michael Luck will score. Here's Luck. Turn him into a turnstile. Running into a brick wall. Come on, and the big defence keeps on coming. It's Michael Luck. Luck with the dummy. Luck's through again. Chase is coming through. Michael Luck has claimed the try. Chop down Luck. Well, there's a solid shot from Michael Luck. Great tackle, Michael Luck. Oh, Michael Luck, champagne rugby league from the Warriors. Lucky, I, I thought you suit the colours, man. Uh, do you agree? What, what, what do you feel when you look back at that? Oh, yeah, it was a great time in my life. Um, once I... I uh, you know, I had I was there for for seven seasons, and um, you know, moved over October two thousand and five, and came back to Australia in December twenty twelve, uh, and had had you know the, some of the most special times of my life happened while I was a warrior, and uh, and while I was um, in New Zealand, you know, got married, uh, had my first child over there, uh, made some some friendships that will well outlast any any time that I'm in rugby league, and those things are the things that. Um, you know, more than more than success or anything that happens on the field, they're the things that you remember most. So I loved it. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, if the body held up, I, I would have still been doing it. It's just a, it was such a great time, a great city to be in, um, great country to be a part of. Mate, you came over in 2006. You were looking for more minutes. You weren't getting them at the Cowboys. First of all, I want to know what you did personally because uh, the evolution of Michael Luck uh, was one that uh, people really enjoyed. Be real I wasn't a great player um, I, I probably uh, I worked hard um, and I had a fairly high pain tolerance so um, you know, I haven't had a, a, a position or a role that he needed me to fill um, and I just made sure I did that every week uh, as well as I could um, you know and a lot of that is due to Ivan his coaching staff that he had there uh, Tony Iroh was there for a long time and I was there Johnny Ackland um, Craig Walker who's a trainer who's now back at the Roosters um, those guys were the core of our of our um, coaching staff and um, the credit for me and, and me staying there as long as I did has to go to those guys because as I said I've I've said here if you do this job I'll, I'll keep you in the jersey for as long as you can do it um, and so um, as I said, you know, I knew I wasn't the most talented guy, so I did plenty of prep work. Like I used to watch a whole lot of tape um, about oppositions, and um, I used to know what was coming in the middle of the field at us because that was my best chance to help us stop. Um, you know, some great players, and that time, yeah, that great Melbourne Storm spine um, that we had uh, a lot of success against, and I, you know, I, I think. That's because that, that group of middle forwards that we had, they used to watch a couple of hours of video every week before we play them. 
um, to we'd know what was coming before it, before it happened. So, um, um, respectfully, I didn't really care about what the people in the stands or the reporters or um, anyone TV would say about me. Um, the the only people I cared about were the the couple of blokes either side of me on the field and my coach. Um, you know, and, and I, I had a, a saying that I used to you know, right on my team sheet every week was um, earn respect from people who matter. Uh, and mm. the only people that mattered to me were, you know, if I was playing lock in the middle of the field, my two front rows, my hooker, my fullback um, and my coach. Um, and if, you know, anyone else had any, you know, if, if I pleased those guys, then I'd done my job. The coach, uh, which is Ivan Cleary, um, and his development, what he's been able to do. Could you see it that early on? What was it about him that, you know, made this run of success in the finals, um, you know, pretty consistent? Yeah, and I say this with the benefit of hindsight now. Like, I think Ivan is the coach that he is and he's had the success that he has because um, he's one of the very few that, understand his strengths and weaknesses really intimately and I think um, Ivan knows you know Ivan can be awkward at times um, if, if you didn't know him he's uh, it can be hard to strike up a conversation with but he knows that so he, he, he knew that he had to get guys in around him like those guys I mentioned you know Johnny Ackland and, and Tony Ira and Craig Walker and these guys that are real you know, personable individuals that they can be the, the life of the party where Ive can just be um, clinical and analytical and um, and go and map plan out and, and put into effect. So it's no surprise to me that he's gone and had the success that he has because if you even look at the coach's box next to him now, he's got all these guys around him that, that offset his... They're not weaknesses, but they're just not his strengths. Um, so I think he's been great at that. He's never been threatened by putting individuals beside him in a coach's box that potentially could do his job, which I think, you know, it, it's a trap. A lot of other head coaches can fall into. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I massive amount of respect for him. And I owe him a debt of gratitude. He was the one that got me to the Warriors and I guess restarted my career. And um, I'd still I'd, I'd talk to him now, you know, once every month or so just to bounce ideas off him. And, um, and, and you know, I think my club and, and the Penrith Panthers at the moment are on very different levels of, of um, evolution and development. So, um, again, like, I, I don't think he sees a threat in sharing information with me, which is a, a really big – it's a strength of character mm. that um, someone's willing to, to share what they know in order to make someone else better. OK, I want you to be a bit more specific now um, on some of those great times, the friendships, the people, because, you know what, I think that's what this show's about. And uh, you were thought of highly um, from this uh, end of the ditch. And I know you can't name them all, uh, but they're the ones that are that are at the front of your mind. Well, I guess, you know, we had a pretty good core cool group of players there for most of the time that, that I was over there. And, um, you know, I've said this in... Any interview I do, they say, who's the standout player you've ever played with? And, um, and Simon Mannering is the, the first bloke that comes to mind. Um, you know, the other guys that were, uh, I guess, a, a core part of what we did there for a long time, uh, you know, guys like Sammy Rapier and um, Lance Hire and, um, you know, Russell Packer. Like, I, I know Russ uh, has been polarising since that period and run into his problems, but Russ is still a guy that, you know, if, if he rang me tonight and said, you know, lucky I need you. Something's going wrong. I jump mm. on the next plane and, and go and, and go and see him. And you know, you don't, 
you don't forge those those friendships or those bonds um, without some meaning behind them. And um, yeah, as I said, mate, I, I, I loved. It. I was really really lucky to to be there in the time that that we were there. Um, had a, a great experience. So did my wife. Three hundred and one game veteran, and that was of the possible three hundred and twenty with Simon Mannering. What made Juju so special? He did what he said he was going to do every day. The the difference between his best and worst was minimal. Um, you know, he was consistent. He was consistent in every part of his life. Um, and it just made him reliable. And some of the injuries and the illnesses that he played with. Um, and I guess, I, I, again, I get to say this in the benefit of the, the privilege of the role that I sit in at the moment. Um, there's things now that we'd have guys in hospital that junior would just put a pair of boots in on and, and go and play the game. Um, yeah. I, I can't speak highly enough of the bloke as a as a as a competitor on the field, but also as a as a human being as well. Just you know, such a selfless, um, you know, thoughtful guy that everyone else was was before him. Um, and I think he's taken that into into what he's done um, now as well. He's sort of shuffled off into out of the limelight and gone back and looking after the kids and, and just happy to have a quiet life in Nelson. Uh, you played 50 consecutive games for the Warriors. You played uh, and you were very durable. I mean, how was that possible? Because I know there would have been a number of times when you were busted. What was your purpose and, and, and what did you use to, to keep staying up and performing? Because you were Mr. Consistency yourself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I was as durable as, as Simon. I just think I had in my mind that if I ever gave my spot up, I wouldn't get it back. Um, because as I said, you know, I knew that um, I wasn't the most talented guy, you know, wasn't fast, didn't have great ball skills. So um, I knew that while I was doing the job that Ivan needed me to do, uh, you know, never give a sucker an even break. So don't, don't give anyone else the opportunity to step into your shoes. Um, and yeah, the, you know, there were some times where I probably shouldn't have played. Um, I, you know, it was never dangerous or anything like that but um yeah i just you know i love it and i used to wear it as a badge of honor as well knowing that um you know you 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 understand your levels of tolerance of um of pain and what what your body can do and i think you you learn that over time um by the time i got to my mid-20s i understood that um you know body's an amazing thing yeah i remember uh i had a i got a cut split the webbing in my hand uh, in on one game, and um, the uh, we mustn't have cleaned it out properly before we sewed it up. And, um, anyway, so that was a Saturday night. By Monday morning, uh, it, it was you know my hand was blown up, and, uh, and Doc Mayhew came around. Um, I was living in a place in Grayland at the time, so he sort of jumped off the motorway on his way um, over the stadium and looked at me. He said, "Mate, you, you need." antibiotics in that straight away so uh the doc was coming around morning and night to run an iv line through me um and i think on about the tuesday or wednesday i, I was as sick as i've ever been and still mm-hmm. to this day i've never been that sick and um that day i thought you know and then so got over it thursday did captain's run friday and end up playing on saturday um and i thought after that i thought you must have to be sick to die because I was pretty sick that week. Um, but then, you know, you go through something like that and you and you play the next week and that just it gives you confidence and that regardless of what, what you go through after that, you, if you can tolerate something like that, then um, if you've ever got a you know, sore ankle or sore shoulder or whatever, mm. if you can still run and you still put a jersey on, then you can play. Most of my role was, was a defensive focus. So um, that included, I guess, 
diving at you know, tackling when you weren't, weren't in great position, and that often comes with a boot in the head or a, a knee to the to the cheek or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, there's still the, the scars fade over time, but they're still there. And, um, my funny as it sounds, I still about a month ago I had a pimple on my chin and I was squeezing at it, and um, there's a little black uh, black string came out of it. So I think that's an old stitch that hadn't dissolved that pulled out. And, um, yeah, rugby league. Just, just, just on, the, on the old stitch, I think Kevin had Kevin Campion had about a thousand stitches. Do you reckon you, you, you've you've topped them in tally of stitches oh. at the at the club? How many is Mayhew put nah. in? Well, it was nearly a, a ritual after a game. We'd go and you know, win a loss. We'd have a, have a discussion and then I'd go and get a line right out of the esky and um, lie down the table and Doc would throw some anaesthetic in me and start stitching me up. So The games that stand out for you or even just moments on or off the field in and, and that seven years? You know, obviously that, that run into the 2011 grand final was pretty special. We, I think, you know, we got pretty well beaten that, that first semi-final. Uh, I went home, so that was, I think, a Friday night game. Went home Saturday um, on Tuesday night, my first son was born. Um, wow. So, yeah, up at Auckland Hospital. Uh, missed training Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, we then, I think, went to... We, we played the Tigers the next Friday night and so jumped on a plane on the Thursday and went back to Sydney and so won that. Then the week after, went to Melbourne. Uh, we won that. And then, so, you know, the first game of footy my son ever went to was a, was an NRL grand final. So wow. um, I can't remember, it was 2008 maybe. You know, we'd lost, I don't know how many, maybe six in a row. And it was a, a Sunday afternoon game. We played at Mount Smart and it was against Melbourne. And Melbourne were, were rock stars in that year. Um, coming to a game where they'd probably won 10 in a row. Um, and we played them on a Sunday afternoon. It was wet and cold and miserable. They probably would only been, you know, four or 5,000 at Mount Smart. Uh, and I think we beat them 6-4 or 8-6 or a school one like that. Um, and I just remember after that game being so proud of how the group had, had dug in and fought our way out of it. And I think after that, we went on a run that, you know, we, we fell one game short in 2008 of playing the grand final. So um, they're the memories I'm most proud of um, about overcoming adversity and, and you know, proving people wrong. Um, and the group of people that you get to do that with is what makes it so special. Well, you've given the fan of the club uh, great experiences, so um, no doubt you want to say a few words to them because you've always been their grateful type. Yeah, uh, it's what made it so special. Um, is that you know I talked before about that that game where there was only four or five thousand people at, at Mount Smart and on a cold, wet Sunday afternoon, and that was. Yeah, that's that's where I felt most comfortable for that period of my life. And I wake up on a Sunday morning, and it was you know seven or eight degrees and raining. And um, you know, I look out the window and just rub my hands together and say, "This is our weather." Um, and you know, the people that would come and fill the stands on days like that um, were were the people that made it so special for me to have sat here maybe twenty years ago and say, "This is where how your career on, on the field's going to map out." I would never have believed. Um, believed you and the relationships you build and the experience you have with, with people over there. So, um, yeah, amazing time of life and uh, always look at it very fondly once. Well, lucky once a warrior, always a warrior. Thank you very much for being one of the heroes of the club and also uh, your time here today for having a chat, man. No, I appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much. I love the opportunity. Well, speaking of heroes, July the 3rd against West Tigers, it's the first time in two and a half years that the boys will be able to play at home. And I reckon we should give them somewhat of a hero's homecoming. So if you want to be there, Ticketmaster is where you need to go. Get the tickets, be there and be in that crowd. Be very vocal. It's going to be an emotional time, and I think you will enjoy it. You'll also enjoy next week right here on Once a Warrior because we have who was, I believe, the best centre in the world in 2002, one of the most 
passionate uh, players that ever played alongside in the Warriors. He is Clinton Tulpi. Right here, same place, same time, once a Warrior. Michael Luck with the right side play, Malovia score! Well, there's a solid shot from Michael Luck. Here's Luck into space, Maloney. And here it's Michael Luck, and it's building nicely for the home side. Luck motoring towards the goal line. Ball to Luck. Michael Luck will score. Gets dumped on his back. Back for McKinnon. He 